Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 121. Psalm 121 is what we're going to be looking at this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one somewhere on the pew in front of you. And if, if you would like that Bible, you are free to take it. Uh, don't let anyone stop you on the way out. That's, that's yours if you want it. Um, we also have a stack in that back corner. Um, if you don't have a copy of God's Word or you have one that you don't understand or, or that's, that's worn out, we are happy to, to provide you with one of those. And we'll be looking at Psalm 121 this morning. And so we're continuing kind of our, our walk through uh, selected psalms uh, throughout this summer. We're, we're near the end. The plan in September, Lord willing, is to begin a study through the, the book of Daniel. So again, be, be preparing, maybe reading ahead uh, for that. But, but this morning we're in Psalm 121. And if you were with us last week, Psalm 130 is what we looked at last week. And I mentioned briefly that Psalm 130 was in a group of psalms that are called the Psalms of Ascent. And so the, the Psalms of Ascent, this grouping, which is a, it's an intentional grouping within the Psalter, which is just the Psalms. And from Psalm 120 to 134, there's a group of Psalms that are called the Psalms of Ascent. And these songs were, were said to be sung by the Israelites as they, as they ascended the mountain to the temple to worship in Jerusalem. And so that's, that's what they were uh, uh, supposedly used for. And so as we read Psalm 121, we're going to see it's going to have some immediate applications if, if this was being sung and, and recited together by the Israelites as they're making their way to Jerusalem as they're at the outset of their journey. But as we go through it, I, I hope that you'll see that the truth of Psalm 121 extends far beyond a journey to Jerusalem. This psalm has been a psalm for, for believers, for Christians, for God's people throughout the ages. There, there are military soldiers who have, who have claimed the promises of Psalm 121. There are many travelers um, who have claimed the, the, the promises of Psalm 121. This psalm is a great source of help for the believer because it gives great hope and promises great help for the Christian. And so I've titled this a, a, a traveler's hymn or a pilgrim's hymn because it's for the Christian on the journey that we call life. And so there's great hope for us. There's great help for us in Psalm 121 for our journey. No matter where you are on the journey, we're all on our Christian journey. And there's great hope and help for us. And that hope and that help is found by the psalmist fixing his gaze and, and aiming to fix our gaze on the Lord. This psalm is going to point us to the Lord, and so I'm confident that the message of this psalm will edify us here this morning. That's, that's my prayer. So let me read the psalm. It's only eight verses. I'll read it, I'll pray for us, and then we'll, we'll walk through the eight verses together. So Psalm 121, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's, let's pray together. Father, as we begin to look 
to your word. We just want to acknowledge and confess that this is your word that you have graciously provided for us here, your people. And so we want to, to receive your word humbly. We place ourselves under this, your word, and we pray that this word would accomplish the purpose that you have set it forth for. And so we, we know that you are able to do far more abundantly than we could ever think or imagine. And so, so our simple request, my simple prayer this morning, is that you would accomplish your purposes through your word this morning. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, there's, there's only two points. There's only two points for this sermon. So Psalm 121, there, there, there's two points. First point, we'll see the pilgrim's source of hope, or the, the pilgrim's source of help, sorry, verses 1 and 2. And then the second point, which is the rest of the psalm, verses 3 through 8, we'll see the pilgrim's reason for hope. Okay, so the source of help we'll see, and then the reason for hope in the rest of the verses. So that's our outline. Let's begin there with the first point, verses 1 and 2, the pilgrim's source of help. So some well-known words that that begin this psalm, verse 1, look there if you will. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? These are well-known words. We find the psalmist here at the, at the beginning, at the outset of the psalm, he's, he's looking to the hills. Now, it's not, it's not quite clear why he's looking to the hills, but the one thing we know because of his response in verse 2 is that he's looking for help. So I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Verse 2 answers the source of his help is clearly the Lord, right? Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. So, so he's looking for help. And he finds it in the Lord. So that's not in question. The source of his help is the Lord. But what is unclear, what we don't know, is why he's looking to the hills. And in fact, I, I, I wrestled with this. Why is he looking to the hills? Now, now if you read commentaries, you, you can read pastors, and, and there's, there's a, a, a whole host of, of solutions or answers to this question. But, but two, two seemingly plausible solutions would be, would be either he's looking to the hills saying, can, can the hills provide help for me? Right? I, I'm looking to the hills. Are they a potential source of help? So maybe that's why he's looking for, for, to the hills. Maybe he's looking for help from the hills. And this look, as the psalm goes on, if he's looking to the hills for help, this look shows the futility of, of earthly help. Right? So he's looking to the hills for help, only to realize that there's no real help from, from the hills, which is why verse 2 would answer resoundingly, no, the hills can't help. So don't look to the hills for your help. The help has to come from the maker of the hills, which would mean that verse 1 and 2 makes the simple point, the Lord is the only sure help for the pilgrim. And so that's one reason he could be looking for the hills. But, but another option is that he's looking to the hills as the source of danger that he needs help from. Right? So, so which would mean he could be looking at the hills saying, oh my goodness, I see the hills ahead of me, and they're far away, and my path has to pass through those hills. And that's where the robbers are, that's where the wild animals are, that's where there's un, un, uncertain territory. So, so I see the hills and I think, oh my goodness, who's going to help me in the hills? So that could be what he's looking for. Which if that's the case, he sees the danger in the hills, but then remembers that his source of help far exceeds any potential danger from the hills. Because the Lord, as the source of his help, is the maker of heaven and earth and the hills. Which would mean that the point of verses 1 and 2 would simply be the Lord is the only sure help for the pilgrim. So... Pick whatever option you want, regardless of of why he's looking to the hills. The main point of verses 1 and 2 is that the Lord is the only sure help and certain help and able source of help for the pilgrim. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
And so even just in these first two verses, whether you're an Israelite on the way to Jerusalem singing this psalm of ascent, and you're, you're weary from the travel that lies ahead, and you're, you're longing just to get to the temple, or whether you're a faithful Christian in Hampton, Virginia in the year 2021, and, and you're living your life day after day, or week after week, or year after year, and you're just tired and weary, and you need help. The point of these first two verses is simply the Lord is your only sure source of help. He's the one to look to. He's the one who can help. In the time of need, the Lord is our help. I mean, help is often the immediate, the most pressing need of God's people, isn't it? I mean, we often need help, and it's, it comes in a various way, various ways to us. Think about that there are many war stories of, of soldiers putting themselves in harm's way to, to fight for their country. In fact, if you, if you do research on Psalm 121, there's story after story of soldiers praying the promises of Psalm 121. Right? They, they need help. They're in danger. My help doesn't come from the hills. I'm not looking for, for the Calvary to save me. My help is from the Lord. Think about a family in crisis. I mean, just this past week, as I, pre- I was preparing on, on Thursday, there, there's an email that I don't know if you guys are on a, the Nextdoor app, but, but I get these emails on Nextdoor. Not, not many of them are helpful, but, but one came through, and there's a family whose teenage son had run away. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm preparing Psalm 121, I'm thinking, that family needs help. I can't imagine what would happen if, if a 14-year-old ran away, but, but there was a time of need. They needed help. Some of our members, one, one former member fell down the steps, broke a hip. Another church member had a, had a serious accident. There was need for help, immediate need. Help! That's, that's the need of God's people often. Maybe, maybe it's a difficult relationship. I don't know what to do. My kids, I can't handle them. Or, or my spouse, my coworker, I, I don't, I'm at loss. I need help. The list could go on and on, and I'm sure you have ways, you have situations, circumstances that you just need help. And the point is simply that God's people, we need help. And Psalm 121 verse 2 proclaims into the midst of our needs that God is our helper. Our help comes from the Lord. No other source of help is worth looking to. I mean, just listen to some other psalms. Psalm 40, verse 17, As for me, I'm poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 54, 4, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Psalm 70, verse 5, Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Psalm 146, 5, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is is in the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. But the psalm continues, it's not just any Lord. It's not just, hey, hey, pick your Lord. It's the Lord who made heaven and earth. Right? That's how he continues. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And here we see in verse 2 that the sovereignty of God as seen in the case of creation is actually a, a really practical doctrine. Because in his mind, as the sovereignty of God is examined and evaluated, he, he can't help but recognize the ability of God to help. If God is sovereign, then of course God can help him in his time of need. The sovereignty of God is actually what encourages this pilgrim who's in need of help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In other words, the Lord who made all things, 
is the one who's committed to helping me. My life, my journey, my time of trouble is actually on the radar of the creator of the universe. I mean, can you believe that? It's as if he's saying, hey, you see those hills? You see the sunsets? You see the mountains, the valleys, the canyons, the oceans, the skies, the heavens? Do you see all of that? The the glory, the beauty, the majesty? Well, my help doesn't come from any of that. My help comes from the maker of all of that. My help comes from the Lord who made it all. What an incredibly encouraging application of the sovereignty of God. In your time of need, do you really ask yourself, well, God can't really help me. He can't help. Do you have, can, God, can God help you? I mean, do you actually believe that the one who made all things is unable to render help when you need it most? Do you really think that you're going to find a more sure and able source of help outside the sovereign maker and sustainer of this entire universe? My help comes from the Lord and nowhere else. Charles Spurgeon says, quote, on this, on this psalm, what we need is help, help powerful, efficient, constant. We need a very present help in trouble. What a mercy that we have it in our God. Our hope is in Jehovah, for our help comes from him. Help is on the road and will not fail to reach us in due time, for he who sends it to us was never known to be late. Jehovah who created all things is equal to every emergency. If you don't like Spurgeon, a recent song by Christian singer Toby Mack titled Help is on the Way, a favorite in our household, he sings, it may be midnight or midday, he's never early, he's never late. He will stand by what he claimed, I've lived enough life to say, help is on the way. That's the point of verses 1 and 2. The psalmist says, and the people of God throughout the ages have always attested that our help comes from the Lord. He is the pilgrim's source of help. Which just leads me to a, to a very simple question of application, which is this. Where do you look for help? Where does your help come from? I mean, ask yourself, where, where does your help come from? Where do you look for help? Where, where's your source of help? I mean, I think we ought to acknowledge our desire, our temptation, the ease with which we can look to everything and everyone other than the Lord. Right? We, we want to look to all kinds of things for help. Finances, health, doctors, government, friends, spouses, kids. We want to look everywhere else for our help. If only, if only this could happen, then I'd be okay. When you're afraid... When you're discouraged, depressed, anxious, plagued with guilt, when you're angry, when, when you need help, where do you look? I mean, let this psalm be a simple reminder. Our help is from the Lord. He is the only sure source of help. Everything else is going to fail you. Our help comes from the Lord. One commentator writes, effectual aid comes from God and no one else. He, he is alone all-sufficient. Men and angels, means and instruments, the united powers of earth and the wisdom of all creatures are as nothing compared with God. We are never safe till ceasing from man whose breath is in his nostrils. We look to God alone. Where else are you going to go for help in your time of need? 
Without any hesitation, the psalmist in Psalm 121 proclaims the reality that the pilgrim's help and the only sure source of help for the traveler is the Lord, and he is where we look. That's the source of the pilgrim's help. That's verses 1 and 2. But then, after establishing that, the rest of the psalm focuses, verses 3 through 8, on the pilgrim's reason for hope. So let's look there, verses 3 through 8, the pilgrim's reason for hope. And so as we walk through the, these next verses, this next section, they're all connected by, by this, this one word. In fact, if you just read over and over and over Psalm 121, depending on what version you're reading, there's just one idea that comes forth. And in the ESV, the English Standard Version, which we read, that, that word is keeper or keep. They're all connected by this idea of the Lord being the keeper. And so the reason for hope is that the Lord is our keeper. So verse 3 says, he keeps you. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. Right? So keep is, is the theme there in the ESV. Now, if you have a different translation, maybe you have the, the NIV, it uses a different phrase. So it uses a phrase instead of a word. So it doesn't say the Lord is your keeper, but he says the Lord is the one who watches over you. Right? So same idea. He's not the keeper. He's the, the one who watches over you. He's the one who watches over your life. Right, same idea. The, uh, uh, yet another translation, the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, uses the phrase or uses the word protector. So you have keeper, you have the one who watches over you, and the protector. The Lord is your protector, the one who protects you over and over. And so regardless of what word is used, regardless of what translation you're looking at, what is clear is the main idea, the point that is being conveyed which is emphasizing that the reason for hope on the journey is because of our relationship with our Lord. So he is our keeper, our, our, our protector, the one who watches over us. The Lord is a guardian of his people, you could say. And this is the nature of the help that God provides for his people. He's our help and he provides protection. I mean, let's just look through these. It's, it's pairs of verses that, that make points running down. So verse 3 and 4, look at verse 3 and 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And so then verses 3 and 4, there's, there's two things that the Lord will not do. First, he will not let your foot be moved. In other words, you're not going to slip. You're not going to take an errand step on the path, on the journey. It, there's no errand step that's going to that's overtake you. No matter how treacherous it gets, your footing won't give way. I mean, think about, think about in, ancient, in the ancient world, think about travel. There wasn't Uber. There weren't, there weren't lifts. There weren't taxis. If you don't know what those are, they're like taxis. There weren't vehicles. There weren't carriages. They, they walked, and, and walking was along rocky dirt paths. There were trails through mountains. They didn't have paved. They didn't have VDOT that, that helpfully paved all of the roads to make them smooth for travel. No, it was, it was rocky terrain. And this, this, this promise is that the Lord's not going to let your foot be moved or slip. I mean, I mean, some of you are older than you used to be. I mean, that's true of all of us, but, but, but some of you are older than you used to be. And, and every single step you take has to be taken intentionally, doesn't it? You're very careful. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't go there because I can't, can't get up the steps or I can't walk over that terrain because one misstep could be disastrous. Broken leg, broken hip. You have to be careful where you step. Well, the truth of verse 3 is that the Lord won't let your foot be moved. And it's not that your hope is found in your extremely careful steps or the wisdom in you planning your steps. 
Your hope is found in the Lord who will not let your foot be moved. The point is that the Lord is aware of every single step on your journey. He's the guardian of your way. He's the protector of every single step along your way. I mean, you see, he's attentive to his pilgrims, to his travelers. No disaster will overtake you apart from his sovereign care. I think that's the point here. He's not going to let your foot be moved. But the other thing that he won't do in verses 3 and 4, he won't let your foot be moved, but second, he won't slumber. The Lord who keeps you is never going to be late for a shift. He's not uncaring or distracted. He doesn't slumber. He's not inattentive. He's not like me. He's not going to hit the snooze button a few too many times. Right? The Lord doesn't have a snooze button because he doesn't sleep. He doesn't sleep. You need sleep. I need sleep. God doesn't. He's always awake. He's always aware. I mean, I thought about 1 Kings 18. Remember when Elijah and the prophets of Baal, their God isn't answering. And Elijah says, well, maybe he's asleep. Maybe you should just yell louder. But that's not the Lord. The Lord doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's attentive to every step, and he's present every second. This is the keeper of Israel. He doesn't sleep or slumber. He's aware and always awake. He continues, verse 5 and 6. There's more. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. He's the shade on your right hand. The sun's not going to strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, there's a lot of imagery here in 5 and 6, but the point is simple. The Lord is your shade. On your right hand, he's ever near you, ever with you, which means because he's your shade, the sun's not going to strike you by day and the moon's not going to strike you by night. Now, a lot of people go into details with, with what exactly that means and, and moon stroke and, and heat stroke and, and the, 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 the warm temperatures of the sun and the cool of the night, and maybe part of that's there. But I think the point here, so don't get lost, is simply to say that the Lord as our shade means that he is a, a, a sense of, he's our sense of covering. He's our protection. He, he's the protection or covering. No matter where you go, no matter what comes along, we have a protection, a covering, a shield. I mean, I think that's why he talks about the sun and the moon. Right? There's no time of day other than the, the time of the sun and the moon. And so I think his point is, the Lord is our shade no matter what time of day it is. The Lord is your shade at all times. His point, I think, is that there's not time of day when you're not going to be protected. The Lord is your shade. The sun's not going to strike you by day. The moon's not going to strike you by night. He is your keeper. Again, this is the idea of the protector, the guardian. And then he closes there, the last two verses, verses 7 and 8. This, this closes out the section, but, but it really closes out the entire psalm on, on the highest possible note. The Lord will keep you from all evil, verse 7. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord is going to keep you from all evil. That's verse 7. So when it says he's going to keep you from all evil, what does, he mean? What does it mean? Right? There's, there's some tension here that, that started to appear. He's not going to let your foot be moved. Well, what does that mean? Maybe there's times that we could say, well, my foot was moved back then. Or here, he's going to keep your life from all evil. Well, well, surely, we don't read that and say, well, evil is never going to befall the people of God. But that's not the point. We can't look at verse 7 and say, okay, well, the point that the psalmist is trying to make is that the Christian is never going to have difficulties or troubles. 
It's not the point that he's saying, hey, you're going to be kept. It's like you have this huge bubble around you and nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. That's not his point. In fact, remember verse 1, he needs help. He's in trouble. So the psalm itself says, well, that's not the clear meaning of verse 7. It's contrary to the psalm, but it's also contrary to the rest of the Bible's teaching. Right? In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus says. To, to expect differently is to miss the clear teaching of the Bible. Not only, to, not, not only that, but it also goes against, it's incompatible with the experience of Christian pilgrims throughout the ages. In this room, we have relationships, we have cancer, we have death, we have difficulty. We have tragedy. Is that, are, we look, are we to look at those experiences and say, well, God didn't keep his promise? That's not the point. The point isn't that you're never going to experience evil. So what does verse 7 mean when it says the Lord will keep you from all evil? He will keep your life. Well, it means, I think in line with the rest of the psalm, that the Lord's going to protect and keep and guard his, his people from all evil in the sense that every Christian pilgrim is going to reach the celestial city. We're all going to get to heaven. Our pilgrimage is going to finish. And I think the point that he's making is that nothing, no evil, nothing, no evil will prevent the completion of that journey. He's going to keep you and protect you from evil so that no evil will befall you that's going to prevent you from finishing your journey. It means there's nothing, sin and evil notwithstanding, that will be able to prevent the pilgrim from finishing the race. One one commentator says, to be kept from all evil does not imply a trouble-free life. But he continues, what it implies is a well-protected life. There's a difference from being trouble-free and being protected in the midst of trouble. Do you see? I think his point is you're going to be protected in the midst of trouble. You're not going to be prevented from trouble, but you're going to be protected. You're going to be guarded. You, you have a keeper. You have a watcher over you. The Lord will keep you from all evil. There's nothing in this world that that can prevent God from accomplishing his purposes in your life and getting you to the finish line. God will do it. He's your guardian and is going to ensure. And this is the teaching of the rest of the Bible regarding God's sovereignty, his, his providence. I mean, think about the, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, one of the, probably the most well-known verses in the book of Romans. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that for those who love God... All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things means all things. He, later in that same chapter, he would say, I'm sure that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's the Apostle Paul saying nothing is going to separate you. Nothing's going to split you from your maker and savior, your redeemer. That's the point of, of Paul in Romans 8, or one of the points there. He's going to ensure that you are safe and secure. He's never going to let go. He's going to hold you fast. Or if you prefer an Old Testament example, think about the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. What a roller coaster of a life from, from the pit 
thrown in the pit by his brothers, to slavery, to Potiphar's house, to wrongfully accused, to prison, to the right hand of Pharaoh, to, to the, the, the place of power, a roller coaster of a life that was set in motion by his jealous brothers all the way at the beginning. And we get to the end of his life, Joseph has risen to power, has all kinds of authority, and his brothers are, his, their dad dies and his brothers are afraid. Remember? Oh, what, now that dad's dead, Joseph's going to kill us. But what does Joseph say to his brothers as he looks back over the roller coaster of life, which, which in, included a lot of suffering, a lot of sorrow? He looks back and he says, everything that happened is what God did. It was God who did it. This is Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it, purposed it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So he looks back on his life and says, God did this. Yeah, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He doesn't say, well, I know what you did was bad, and then God saw the bad, and he said, well, I, let me see if I can manipulate this and make it into good. That's not what he said. He said, God meant it for good, which is him saying God intended the roller coaster of a life that I've lived. God was in charge and sovereign over it, which means, stay with me here, there's no evil, there's no sin, there's no tragedy, there's no life circumstance, no sorrow, no suffering that ever befalls the Christian pilgrim that is outside of God's sovereign care. In all of these things, the Lord will keep us from all evil. He will not let you go. And while this certainly doesn't answer all of our questions, I don't pretend that it does. What it does is it gives us hope for the journey, doesn't it? I don't, know, I don't know what sorrow and suffering you're in the midst of, what you've come out of. Some of us are, are probably looking into great tragedy and sorrow. And we, we won't have all the answers, but what we do have is a source of hope because God is our keeper. He's our protector. He's our guardian. I mean, at the end of the day, either God is in control or he isn't. And Psalm 121, I believe, says God is in control. And that is a source of great hope for the Christian pilgrim. Another well-known psalm, I, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is the hope of the Christian. The Lord is with us. We're guarded by the maker of heaven and earth. We're kept from all evil by the sovereign one. This ought to be a great encouragement to us. One commentator says, the eternal salvation of the righteous is certain. Right? So that, that's, him, that's him saying, putting in, into words the idea that we're going to reach the end. We're going to finally, we're going we're to be saved. We're secure. He says, the eternal salvation of the righteous is certain. God knows how and has a mind to deliver them from snares, plots, guilt, sin, perils at home, and perils abroad from death and hell. God knows how to deliver us and keep us from evil, and he's able to do it. The Pilgrim's song is ultimately a song of hope because of the Lord who is our keeper. And notice there's one more thing in verse 8. Not only do we have the Lord to keep us from all evil in verse 8, the Lord keeps our going out and coming in now and forevermore. And that's the emphasis of verse 8. The care and protection of the Lord is exhaustive and eternal, meaning it's never going to expire. So he's going to keep your going in and coming out. Right? There, there's not a thing you can do that, that, will, that will put you outside of his exhaustive care. No matter what you're doing, he's there 
it's exhaustive, but it's also from this time forth and forevermore. It's eternal. It's never going to expire. Going and coming now and forever. Every step of the pilgrim will be kept and guarded and protected by the Lord himself now and forever. This is the hope that we have. The Lord will keep us. I mean, I, I just thought how, how many times, and this isn't bad, but I'm just, how many times do we say, uh, we put our hope in a guardian angel, or we pray for a hedge of protection, right? which I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying those are bad things. But in Psalm 121, our hope doesn't have to be in any of those secondary causes. Our hope is nowhere except in the Lord himself. You see that? He doesn't have to, we don't have to look at secondary causes. The Lord is our keeper. The Lord will keep your going in and your going out now and forevermore. From beginning to end, the Lord is the protector and keeper of his people. Our journey is under his care. And because of that, there's great hope for the pilgrim, for the traveler. And so I just want to end with this final point of application. Exhortation, which is simply this. Take heart, pilgrim. Take heart. Your road before you may be short, may be long. What you need is to take heart. I mean, after the psalm, what else can be said? This is a psalm to the weary traveler, to the pilgrim. It's a traveler's hymn. And regardless of what your journey is like right now, there's a great source of help for you, and there's a great hope for you. Whether you're weary, discouraged, afraid, anxious, confused, tired, regardless of your state, Christian, take heart. Take heart because your help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He's not going to let your foot be moved. He who keeps you, he doesn't slumber. He who keeps you doesn't slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is a shade on your right hand. The sun's not going to strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord is going to keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Take heart pilgrim. Let's pray as we close.